0: Good morning. It's uh, yeah, lovely to see. <laughs> I'll kneel. <laughs> it's lovely to see you back, David. It really is. Uh, my uh, reading this morning is from St Paul's uh, letter to the Romans, chapter five and uh, verses one to eleven. You'll find that at page seventeen fifty of the large print Bibles, and seven eight three of the pew Bibles. So that's Romans chapter 5, verses 1 to 11, 1750 in the large print, 783 in the pew Bible. Peace and joy. Therefore, since we have justified through faith, been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God, not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character and character hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. You see... At just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, Reconciliation. This is the word of the Lord.
1: You know, you shouldn't have let John read the Bible today. I played with Western Suburbs and he played with Eastwood, and we were the worst of enemies. (laughs) Ruth couldn't be here today um, because I made a mistake. Uh, I know the last one was 1952, but um, you know, when we were making the arrangements, I looked in one Bible, our uh, one Bible, one diary, and thought, "Oh yes, I can come on that date." But I didn't look in another one, and we've got our Bible study for Christmas lunch today. So she's at home cooking, hopefully, um, and so. We're sorry about that. Let me pray and then we'll look at the passage that uh, John read to us. Dear God and Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for all the good things that you give us in this life, but we thank you for the better things that you will give us in the future. Help us now as we look into your word that you will help us to understand it and apply it to our lives that it will guide us each day, for we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Recently, I was tidying up my study and I found three books that I stole from East Linfield Church. So today I've got to return them. A hymn book. So Clem, you get the hymn book. Knowing God, and we better give that to the rector because he needs to continue to know God. And a Bible. And I'll keep that up here just for the moment, but make sure I don't walk out with it. So now that I have confessed my sin and returned the books, I'm right with God, aren't I? Well, of course, you know that that's not the case. Romans chapter 5 and verse 1 begins this way. We have been justified through faith. We're always trying to justify ourselves. It starts early in life. A mother said to her son, you shouldn't have hit your sister on the head with a cricket bat. To which he replied, she stabbed me with a stump first. But we do it, don't we? And yet we are reminded here from the scriptures That we are justified through the faith that God has given us in the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 2 says to us, We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. How do we come to rejoice? That's what I want to focus on this morning as we look at our hope in the future. First of all, we are reminded, as I've just said, that we cannot earn our salvation just by returning something that we might have stolen, but rather through faith in Christ. But sometimes we actually slip back, don't we? We know it to be true, but then we sort of, oh, I wonder if I've done enough or I wonder if God will forgive me, or we might well think that the faith we have making us, makes us better than other people, and therefore God will accept us. But the Scriptures remind us in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8 that the faith we have comes from God. For it is by grace you are saved through faith, and this is not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. And so, in verse 1 of Romans chapter 5, we are told that as we exercise faith, we have peace with God. We all know that the opposite of peace is war. And so we, if we trust in the Lord Jesus, have that peace with God. One of our tasks as a church in a changing culture is to continue to be able to tell people about that. Some people... A very anti-God, but others in Australia take the approach that if God leaves me alone, I'll leave him alone. You know, we Christians are often called God-botherers. Well, we are. But their attitude is they don't want to bother God and they don't want God to bother them. And so our responsibility is in whatever way and whatever words we use, and we all use different words because we all come from different backgrounds, to be able to explain to people that the war can be over between them and God. We need to be looking at things from God's perspective, they might not think that they're at war with God. But the Bible tells us that they are. They are not in a state of peace with him. And so, our responsibility is to find a way to share the same peace that we have with God, with others. And, and therefore, as it says to us, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, although whom we have gained, by, gained access by faith into the grace which we now stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God, One of the ways in which we are able to share the truths about Jesus with people is when they go through difficulties. And life is not always easy, is it? And we ourselves might wonder, how can we actually rejoice? How can we have joy when life is really tough? And we've been through a tough time, haven't we? The virus has made life very difficult. To provide church services, for example, we've had to go on Zoom and things like that. And you actually just never know when things are going to work and when things aren't going to work. I get to church on a Sunday morning at 10 to 7 to set up for the quarter to eight service because we have to put all the electronical things together which goes out live via Zoom. This morning, we got it all done and ready by a quarter past seven, and we just sat it around and chatted. But the week before, something went wrong with the electronics. And it took us till just a couple of minutes before a quarter to eight to get it all done. And you know yourselves here, the difficulties that you've got. Who would have ever thought that you would have a sign on the church, do not come in, which is what you've got out there, if, you know, when normally we have a welcome sign up, all welcome. And so how do you rejoice in such circumstances? Some of you know that... uh, Ruth and I went through some difficulties while we were here, and I'm going to relate something, some things that happened to us in one six-month period. You would know of some of them. We had a number of storms at West Pennant Hills. One lightning strike caused my internet modem and my printer to fail. In another storm, water leaked through broken tiles and the ceilings in two of our rooms fell in. In a third storm, a branch from the tree fell on my car, necessitating it to having to go off to the repairers. My wife and son were involved in separate car accidents. Fortunately, neither were interested. Our air conditioner, our stove and our snipper broke down. Added to that, I had two visits to hospital One of my sons spent a month in hospital and Ruth's father spent two months in hospital. Being 90 years of age, he climbed up a ladder and fell off and had 42 fractures. Spent two months in hospital. One of my friends said, didn't he consult his birth certificate? (laughs) He doesn't climb ladders anymore, but that's because he's 92 now. and I'm sure you have gone through your own difficulties. How do we rejoice? Well, verse 3 says this to us. Not only so, but we rejoice in our suffering because we know the suffering produces perseverance. When we get down, Well, when we struggle on, we need to bear in mind that God is actually using what we're going through to make us ready for heaven. Now, we might not like that in some ways. We want to go to heaven, but do we want to do the preparation? And it's like anything. The preparation is always harder than the actual doing. It's harder for me to prepare a sermon than it is to preach it. It's harder to prepare for a sporting event or it's harder to prepare the Christmas lunch, gentlemen, isn't it, than to actually eat it. Preparation is always more difficult. And yet, that's what God is doing with each one of us. As we go through the struggles that each one of us has, we need to be actually saying to ourselves, God is preparing me for heaven. This life is small bickies in comparison to spending eternity with God. And when we doubt it, we need to be actually looking at the Scriptures and seeing what it says to us. What takes place is this. Our suffering produces perseverance. As we continue on, God is working. And that perseverance produces character. And character produces hope. In other words, as we go through the things, we look ahead and we see heaven is my home. That's where I'm going. That's the important thing for me. Well, but how do we know it's true? A non-Christian might say, it's all pie in the sky stuff. Well, what we've got are these words in verse 5. It says if Paul anticipates the fact that we might feel disappointed at times, for he says, and hope does not disappoint us. Because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom he has given us. The proof is you know when you hear the word of God that it is true. And you know that when you reflect back, there is a historical event that has taken place the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and we can look at it, for that's what verse 8 says to us. It says this, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. These days, companies rarely give references to departing employees. But in verses 6 and 8, the non-Christians' reference is set out for us. We are told that we are ungodly. At the right time we were still powerless and Christ died for the ungodly, so we were Powerless, we could not save ourselves, and we were ungodly. and in verse eight, we are told we were sinners. Now, if God was writing a reference about me, if I did not know Jesus, it would go something like this: "I have known David Tyndall all his life. I have found him to be a very great sinner. His mind knows no bounds in finding ways to please himself. He is greedy and selfish. He can be abrupt, insensitive, and he gets angry. He finds it hard to forgive people, and he is not always generous. Furthermore, he is rebellious, doing what he thinks is right in his own eyes. He is totally godless. And in closing, I want to add, that he is opposed to all the, what God would want to do in his life. I'm sure if you employ him, he will look after his own interests, serving people when it suits him, and he'll steal books from churches. <laughs> and yet, Christ died for me. And Christ died for you. And that is the story we share with one another. In this very changing world, as I drove up, I saw another change that's come over East Linfield. There was a sign on the school, Taiwanese school. Who would have thought? What a change has come over our country. I'm not complaining, I'm just pointing it out. And it gives us the opportunity to share with people the truths about Jesus. When I was preparing this sermon, I came upon this story. During the American Civil War, there was a man named Peter Miller who lived next door to a terrible neighbour. He was a terrible man a horrible person, and they were bitter enemies. And Peter Miller's neighbour was arrested for treason. Peter Miller, although he hated this man, didn't believe that the man had committed treason. The man was sentenced to death. And so Peter Miller walked 60 miles, about 96 kilometres, to meet with George Washington and plead for his neighbour's life. George Washington told the man, Peter Miller, that he didn't think he could do anything for his friend. At which Peter Miller said, oh no, He is not my friend. He is my bitter enemy. And so George Washington wrote a pardon. Peter Miller walked back 60 miles. He got there just as Peter Miller, as this man was being taken to the gallows. And the man yelled out at him, Here comes Peter Miller to get his revenge. And Miller walked forward and gave to the commanding officer the letter of pardon from George Washington. And the man's life was saved. Jesus died for the ungodly the righteous for the unrighteous, the innocent for the guilty. When we face difficulties in our personal life and in the parish as you go through changes, you've already had some, you'll continue to go through others. Your service times are different, your staff is different. You'll have to do things differently if the parish is to grow, if people are to come to know Jesus. So what we ought to do is to actually constantly keep in mind what is our hope. Our hope is for the future. At the present time, we have God's Holy Spirit dwelling within us and guiding us and leading us and giving us comfort. But we also look to the future in regards to our own eternal life. We know the God of glory. It is seen in the creation. We live in a wonderful country, do we not? It is seen in his mighty power in raising Jesus Christ from the dead. So, my friends, persevere. Do not give up. Persevere. For that will build character in each one of you individually, but also as a church. And as that character is built, then our hope grows for our eternal salvation and our future, but also for our church. You all know that we are not saved by returning books, but we are justified through faith in Christ, And his Heavenly Father wants us to continue to persevere in faith. He saved us and he can save others. I'll pray. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for your word. We do pray that you might have spoken to us by your spirit. And we ask, Heavenly Father that you will continue to work in us individually and as a church, that we might rejoice in our hope, for we ask in Jesus' name.
0: Amen.